0: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie
1: Good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you for the next hour, bringing you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me. And after a nice few days towards the end of last week and the weekend, it certainly is different these last couple of days. Cold and wet, really miserable weather that we'll see cattle turned in earlier than most would like. Ground conditions very poor and not much choice now on lots of farms. This evening in particular, what a a wintry evening it was. The weekend sees a brighter patch with drier weather on the card. So hopefully that will give us some reprieve. But on the 18th of October, we are on the run-in now. So every extra day will be a bonus. Look, it's early. It's early to be turning in stock on the 18th of October. You'd like to be in the first week or 10 days of November, no question about it. However, it's been just such a difficult year and a difficult summer that uh, definitely cattle will be turned in earlier than usual on a lot of farms. Now this week we have lots to catch up on as usual. Greenhouse gas emissions are what agriculture is known for now and farmers are really playing their part with reducing these from their holdings. The thing to remember here is that reducing emissions on our holdings will more often than not save us money and can increase profitability given the sector and given the farm type. The Chagas signpost service is where a Chagas advisor will come to your farm and give you a roadmap of how to farm in a greener way. This is is a service which is free of charge, and there are now specific advisors for Leash Offley and Westmead. With more on this later, Margaret Farrell will join me to chat about the different measures that you can take on board on your farm that will help you farm in a greener fashion. The Bloss Naharan competition takes place at this time each year, and it's where Irish food businesses are showcased and given awards for their products. They are prestigious awards to win and have grown in stature over the last number of years. Multiple companies from Leash, Offley, and Westmead won honours at this year's event and Fallon Clifford from the organisation will join me to chat about what the consumer is really looking for at the moment. Uh, One such business that won an award is Green's Free Range Eggs from County Westmead. Kenneth Green from Green's Free Range Eggs will speak to me later on the programme about how they manage 5,000 free range hens on the farm and how they have added value to their products by producing their own range of quiches, omelettes and frittatas. Not sure what a frittata is. Kenneth's going to have to give me a bit of information on that later on. But it is great to see a local business like that doing so well. It's timely also to do a piece on eggs as last Friday, it was World Egg Day and Board B of Figures showed consumers bought wait for it 619 million eggs last year That's an increase of almost 20%. And as I look at that, I was also thinking to myself, there's lots of little farm gate businesses selling eggs. Lots of people have their own hens with eggs in the back garden and on the farm. So if you were to take all them into account, I'd say you could add a lot more onto that. I wonder, would it hit a billion eggs? Uh, Again, something I'm going to put to Kenneth a little bit later on, but a huge amount. And the increase isn't surprising really, given the uh, cost of meat and other supermarket staples over the course of the last year year and a half people are turning to eggs as a, a nutritional source as always please text the show with your comments your thoughts or your questions to 083 30 10 103 be happy to bring to our guests here this evening now to start this evening i am speaking to teresa roach and teresa is the vice chair of the ifa farm family and social affairs committee from county galway teresa many thanks for joining me here on the program
2: Thank you, MJ. Great to speak to you.
1: Uh, more than welcome, Teresa. I haven't spoken to you before on the programme. As I said, you're part of the uh, Farm, Family and Social Affairs Committee. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about your background, please, Teresa? Where are you farming and uh, what, uh, what the family farm is? Yes,
2: um, yeah, I'm from um, East Galway, just outside Portumna. And um, we have a family run dairy farm, um, a pedigree host, friesian Frisian Herd and milking for about 65 years on the family farm our family has been um, and um, yeah I set up a cheese business uh, Kylemore farmhouse cheese um, about five and a half years ago now and um, we're making a mountain hard cheese um, we're producing it directly from the farm um, it's always summer milk grass-fed production and um, a seasonal product. And it's all produced and distributed all directly and matured all on-site. And we run a farm shop as well, um, all year round. Um, And um, we do farm tours and um, unique experiences like this. And it's been educational farm tours. And we do it for dairy farmers and And students and basically foreign people on holidays as well come to it. So we've been busy. So it's growing slowly and
1: steadily. Yeah, but it's a great enterprise. It shows that diversification is the key, Teresa, when it comes to farming now. And if you want to farm full time, look, you have to look a little bit outside the box and you have to look at different income streams. Uh, The likes of your cheese are adding value to your milk there, which is always great to see. What was the impetus behind that? Where did you think of that?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And that was actually the whole ethos of it. Um, you know, I was a nurse for 14 years and I travelled the world and had to come home. And I thought, um, you know, I had seen lots of added value businesses across Australia, New Zealand, America. And I personally felt from New Zealand that I had seen there was a big interest in added value on small holdings. Like you didn't have to be from a big farm, but a very small holding was adding value Showcase and small production, and it's something I felt very passionate about um, on our own family farm. You know, as I said, we've been producing milk for a long time, and I thought it was at a stage where we needed to be able to show quality and um, added value and take a little bit of the, um, I suppose, put a bit of pride back into the family farm it was really important, you know. Um, I thought there was a great opportunity to be able to showcase and produce and also identify where our community is and history and heritage and through a product to try and put a bit of a an identity on where we come from as well and and also to try and educate people about knowing where food comes from and particularly on bring people to the farm and to be able to educate them um, about milk production and also about cheesemaking and it wasn't just for, it was also for farmers also to be able to give them um, a social aspect of understanding, you know, on the farm how you can add value but also to be educated where to after milk production there is a process into food production and that has been a very unique product for us and it's sold really well in the last number of years and um i suppose we're doing it i doing it mostly just to give something back and as well as and and to see some other enterprises in rural communities um doing something similar to me because at the end of the day rural farming and, and rural life is the backbone Um, of the rural economy, you know, farming is the backbone of the rural economy and our grass-fed production is the best in the world and it's something we should be very proud of and I think that's something I'm very passionate about um, showcasing. Uh,
1: Absolutely, Teresa. I'm looking at the pictures on the website here of you and uh, all the wheels of cheese. Where did you learn how to make cheese?
2: Um, I went to Switzerland, actually. Um, At the time when I came home, there wasn't a big... um, there wasn't much opportunity at the time to be able to, I suppose, find training and education. And um, so I thought I went to Switzerland and um, to learn, and we got to work with master cheesemakers in the Alps in Switzerland. And they kindly then took me under the wing, where I was able to um, bring something from the Swiss Alps to East Galway and kind of we're at the bottom of the foothills of the sleeve the mountains so it had to be like your farm management needs to be as important as your cheese making it's actually more important on your farm and your your um your your cow your milk production your grass management um your seasonal product and you need to have the quality of your milk the quality of good condition cows and you need to have to produce a high quality cheese so you need good you know you need to have um, everything in order on the farm before you should even consider it's good cheese-making skills.
3: And, so I suppose
2: we have to have the technique ready there first.
1: Well, you, you're well-traveled, Teresa. and look, it does um, we off, it does go to show that you can't beat travel for education. Uh, we often have the uh, Nuffield Scholars here on the programme, and again, yeah. part of that is going out, seeing what's happening in the world. As I said, when where did you make learn to make cheese? You said Switzerland. You couldn't have gone to a, a better place. It's not like you have enough going on, uh, Teresa. but you're also, as I said from the outset, heavily involved in the IFA, in the Farm, Family and Social Affairs Committee. Uh, we often have people on the programme who are very busy and who are doing lots of different things. So, as they say... If if you want something done ask a busy person and i, I think I'm, t- I'm speaking to one of those people now but your uh, ifa role what you are speaking about at the moment is and that is safety uh, lime health safety especially obviously look you're a dairy farmer you're well used to cubicle lime same as every dairy farmer in the country but also sheep farmers beef farmers use lime it's a great disinfectant but people are maybe a little bit uh, carefree shall i say with it what do people need to be aware of uh, when they're using it this season Teresa?
2: Yeah, I think we're just in IFA at the moment. Um, we're just trying to highlight the health and safety measures and guidelines. And, you know, to be aware, it's a busy time of year, as you mentioned earlier in your program. You know, many animals are being housed right now at the moment. All our cows are in. The ground is very wet. The conditions have changed dramatically in the last number of days. And I suppose um, the most, as the temperature drops and grassland growth slows down, um, you know, it's good. good hygiene practices are important. And I suppose when you're when you're cleaning down cubicles, you know, to keep them clean and to keep your passageways clean, um, and your scraping the yard are all important. But I suppose when you're handling highly high hide, when you're hand, handling ha, um, lime, for us, you know, some of them wearing goggles is really important. And if you get lime in your eyes, you know, to um, you know some safety measures either to you know to get it rinsed out or to use a tea bag and to try and um, and trying to do a good eye clean is very important. I suppose wearing gloves, milking gloves, are important to protect your hands to avoid any um, lime getting contact with any cuts or open wounds. You know because it dusting and burn quite dramatically and um, and also you know just basic measures like using a container or a scoop just to kind of measure out the amount of lime you're using or to spread it out evenly and um, for us I suppose at home it's it's just kind of something we do twice a day um, as the cows are indoors and just to protect yourself and um, and to kind of protect your, you know, people working around with you. Um, for us, it's um, something that we've been we've been continuing to do for many years.
1: I, I hadn't heard of the uh, tea bag, Teresa. What's that one?
2: <laughs> Maybe that's the nurse coming out with me. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose, um, yeah, just a, a tea bag. You know, has a good antibacterial properties in that, and I suppose it'll take um, some of the. Um, if, well, I suppose the biggest thing with an eye clean is to is to get some cotton wool or a cotton ball and to just rinse your eye with um, cool water and to rinse from the corner outwards, you know, and make sure that you can get some of that. PH is very high and acidic in lime. So your tea bag, I suppose, is just going to bring out any inflammation or any, hopefully any um, feeling of any burning sensation, but if you do have a burn in your eye, you need to go to your GP or to an optician's and get your eye checked at least, and if you have any kind of blurred vision or any kind of um, injury to your eye, make sure and get checked out because you're um, your site is obviously
1: most important yeah absolutely solid advice Teresa I will say thank you very much for joining me here on the yeah, programme enjoyed it. the chat I have to say and some great advice there towards the end of it we wish you all the best with your Kylemore farmhouse cheese and we'll be speaking to you again on the programme at some stage
2: many thanks and thanks for the opportunity for highlighting it's much appreciated
1: uh, Theresa Roach there Vice Chair of the IFA Farm, Family and Social Affairs Committee and I'm on Theresa's website here it is kylemorefarmhousecheese.com and uh, it's available in um, online here on the website and I uh, great pictures here of the cheese making process and it's lovely to see a dairy farm bringing a product uh, to market from the raw material uh, that is milk and uh, worth, a, worth a visit uh, the website there as I said kylemorefarmhousecheese.com Two things uh, which I thought were obvious Interest and one of those is the price that was paid for a heifer in Elfin Mart last Friday evening. Uh, Adam Woods has an article here on the Farmers Journal. I think it was yesterday. Uh, some exceptional prices were paid for heifers at the sale, including a high of six thousand euro for a Belgian Blue heifer in calf to, the limous- to a limousine stock bull and jute calf on twenty. Third of November, so about a month month out. Uh, wow, that's what I'd say about that. But there was five, four, five, five and a half paid regularly, and uh, this links into the uh, skip deadline. So if you're in the skip the suckler cow efficiency program, there was a deadline, and that was that you had to have fifty percent of the females in your herd as four and five stars by the thirty first of October, which is uh, essentially two weeks from tonight. Uh, that has has been extended to the 24th of November. So you have about another four weeks to get those four and five stars in your herd. You need 50% this year in order to comply with the rules of Skep. So just be careful of that going forward. Don't advise you to go paying 6,000 now uh, for replacements. I think that's a bit strong. And also, a bit of a risk. That's a Belgian blue heifer. So look, realistically, uh, that's, that's going to be a section. And those dates need to be bang on the money for everything to go well there. So best of luck to the person who bought that. Um, but huge money being paid in Elfin there last week for, look, has to be said, quality, quality stock. But really, really, really top prices there. Now, coming up after the break, we're going to speak to Margaret Farrell, from Chagas, she is responsible for County Leash for the Signpost programme, so if you are interested in lessening your greenhouse gas emissions and farming in a more green way, Margaret is the lady to talk to, so stay tuned, we'll hear what she has to say in a couple of moments.
0: Country Life on Midlands 103, brought to you by W Shaw, Burlington Business Park, Tullamore, supplier of New Holland tractors in the Midlands, worshaw.ie
1: and you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, we're moving on to greenhouse gases and the Chagas signpost programme. Margaret Farrell joins us. Margaret, many thanks for taking my call this evening.
4: Thanks Amelia million, MJ, for
1: having me on. Uh, you're more than welcome, uh, Margaret. The signpost programme is what we're here to discuss, as I said. Look, it's been on the go for a while with a select number of farms, but uh, it's being rolled out now uh, nationwide, I suppose. Can you just tell us what exactly it is, please, Margaret?
4: Yeah, um, so as you said there, I suppose the signpost programme started with a group of demonstration farms. And these farms implemented, I suppose, best practice in terms of emissions and reducing greenhouse gases. I suppose this summer then an advisory element was added to that. And 21 advisors throughout the country were, um, I suppose, hired with the sole purpose of helping farmers implement actions. And I suppose supporting them with these actions that will help them reduce emissions on their farm.
1: And there are Um, specific uh, Chagas advisors now set up for the Midland counties. Margaret, you're in charge of County Leeson. We have uh, Owen Callan for Offaly and Catherine Kilmartin for Westmead. So um, Chagas mean business with this. They have specific advisors set up for the specific locations. So they want to get advisors out on the farms, chatting to farmers, yes?
4: Yeah, definitely. And I suppose what we're doing at the moment is we're talking to a lot of groups. So like acres courses, um, derogation courses, discussion groups, Um, and producer groups any groups we can talk to so we're trying to talk to as many farmers as possible and try to get them signed up in the programme
1: And I'm looking then at uh, your 12 steps to reduce gas house emissions so farmers listening are probably saying look we're, we're hearing about this but we want to know Like, what can we do on our farm that can help us reduce emissions, but also the big one is maintain profitability? So, that's the big question that is going to be asked to you, Margaret, when you pop to farms. Are farmers going to say, uh, are farmers going to be of the opinion that by reducing emissions, they're going to be reducing profitability? What will you say back to them on that?
4: No, so I suppose, first of all, I should say that the programme is completely a free advisory service, and it's not just for Chagas clients. It's for all. It's for all farmers, I suppose, because climate change is going to be affecting the whole agricultural sector, not just. Uh, so it's just not just clients. The actions, I suppose, that were, I suppose, helping farmers to implement are all either like cost neutral, in that they won't cost the farmers anything to implement, or cost beneficial, in that they will save farmers money. So things that were, I suppose, like examples of that would be like improving their soil fertility and maybe incorporating a bit of clover. Um, using low emission slurry spreading. So all of them will help them to cut back on the amount of chemical nitrogen that they're spreading.
1: I also see in front of me on your twelve steps. Some of them make great sense from a management perspective. Uh, one of them being uh, reducing the age at first calving. Uh, again, look, that means you're gonna you're gonna have a cow calving sooner. So from a management perspective and from a profitability perspective, you gonna be making your money uh, sooner rather than later. Reducing age of slaughter by one month. Again, uh, that's reasonable. And so we heard uh, a while ago that slaughter ages was gonna have to be reduced dramatically down twenty two months. Farmers are probably used to bringing cattle up to close to 30 months but asking a farmer to go back one month does make sense and it's something that's achievable and again should save money if an animal is fed in the right way during the finishing period
4: yeah and i suppose that's i I suppose the idea behind that action itself is that we're improving the animal genetics improving better grassland management better health better silage quality not just feeding more meal like so it's 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 kind of a, a longer term gain
1: Also, increasing calf output per cow, again, makes sense. More calves you have per cow, more money you're going to make on the farm. And you will often see on ICBF findings that uh, the average is maybe a cow per calf per 15 months or per 14 months or whatever it is on suckler farms. You really need to be getting that down to a cow a calf per year.
4: Yeah, tightening up that cabin interval is really, really important. Like being strict with our culling policy, that sort of thing is, is really, really important in terms of reducing our emissions.
1: Another area, Margaret, is that of animal health, improving animal health. Again, this seems like a no-brainer, uh, but it's uh, I suppose it's one that needs to be spelled out as well. There's a, an animal welfare issue to it and also a profitability issue to it. The more animals you keep alive on the farm and the healthier they are and the better they thrive, uh, the better it's going to go for you on the day you sell.
4: Yeah, exactly, and this comes back into our reducing our age of slaughter. Like, you know, if, we're, if we've animals that are, I suppose, not thriving or sick, it's going to take longer, they're going to not thrive as well, it's going to take much longer for them to be, I suppose, finished. Um, we're trying to pull back that age of slaughter all the time, so I suppose that's how that feeds into that.
1: Yeah, the big one as well, look, I've pushed it here in the programme since the start of the year with the fertiliser da- database starting there last month, is that of soil testing. Uh, soil testing is really something now that needs to be done on, on every farm regardless.
4: Yeah, definitely. We'd be really, really pushing that one strong in terms of building our soil fertility, you know, using our flurry correctly to build our P's and K's, using an eighteen six twelve, 6, apply in line, getting the correct pH. Definitely really, really important um, in terms of being able to cut back our chemical nitrogen use.
1: And is there one thing, Margaret, when you're popping out to farmers and you're chatting to them that you're seeing over and over again, it's maybe first or the second or the third thing that you, you chat about that you say okay look we just we need to get this done this needs to be one of our one of our starting points on it is it the license oil sampling is it reducing chemical nitrogen what what's the one you see regularly
4: yeah so it's probably them or using protected urea so we're really really pushing protected urea because we have to have in order to hit our 25 percent reduction target we have to have 95 percent of our chemical nitrogen spread as protected urea so i suppose like make, getting farmers to make the switch from can to protected urea is really, really something we're we're, we're really pushing on a lot of people because it's so it's so instant and so it's so it's so it's an easier switch than I suppose some of the other long term things.
1: The area Margaret and I know Chagas are doing work on this at the moment and it can't come soon enough. But these things take time. The whole question of how much carbon does my farm sequester and obviously it's a very very complex issue and a complex question, but. Where are we in relation to that, or trying to get somewhere where we have some idea of the balance of what we're actually pulling back from the environment?
4: Yeah, so like there's great research going on in Johnstown Castle around that. Um, I suppose the sector itself doesn't the land use, land use change sector doesn't have a target reduction at the moment, because, as you said, it's been measured. And, um, <clears throat> sorry, and it's um, like currently being uh, researched into what so we can get an accurate representation. of of what we are actually sequestering. It's going to be really, really important that for us achieving our 2050 target, which is carbon neutrality. That's going to be really, really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I know there is lots of work being done at the moment. And uh, as I said, it's uh, it's it's the one thing we really, really need, or we really need some sort of a steering yeah. steering point on it. Margaret, if farmers are interested in contacting uh, either yourself and Leash or Owen and Affley, Catherine and Westmead, presumably they just contact their local Chagas office, and then uh, the guys yourself or the other guys will be in in contact with them. Is it as simple as that?
4: Yep, basically, or go online and you can register online. Um, if you type in um, Chagas Post advisory programme, it will come up and there's an application form there or you can look up our details and contact us directly, whichever is handiest.
1: Yeah, and as you said, free of charge and you don't have to be a Chagas client uh, already. Margaret, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme. You're going to be a busy woman when, uh, when this thanks, kicks man. off because it's only going in one direction. So we will be speaking to you again here on the show at some stage, I'd say. Uh, many thanks for joining me. Thanks, a million, MJ. Thank you, uh, Margaret Margaret Farley Margaret should say there from the Chagas Signpost program. And uh, as Margaret said, it's free of charge. Contact your local Chagas office if you wish to get one of the signpost advisors out to your farm. And it is a chat. That's all. And a lot of the info on this. I know sometimes farmers can say, and uh, we're being asked to do a lot of things. A lot of these things are very straightforward, and they do make fa- sense both um, economically and from an environmental perspective. The big one I asked Margaret about there at the end is finding out what carbon we are sequestering on the farm with all our hedgerow and with all um, everything we have going on all our flora and fauna and uh, there is research being done on that but really that's where we need to go because the aim is it's a 25% reduction by 2030 but it's carbon neutrality by 2050 now I know we're a long way off 2050 but that is the grand plan so uh, we're going to have to get some big figures on the uh, measure of what we're sequestering in order to get to that neutrality figure in 2050 now coming up after the break we are Speaking to Fallon Clifford from Blas Naherin, the awards took place a couple of weeks ago. We're going to find out who won around the Midlands and what consumers are looking for at the moment. So stay tuned.
0: Country life on Midlands 103, brought to you by W Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore, supplier of New Holland tractors in the Midlands. W
1: And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103 on Wednesday the 18th of October on a very wet and miserable evening. Let's see what the weather is like down in County Kerry because that's where Fallon Clifford is joining us from this evening. Fallon, many thanks for taking my call this evening.
5: Thank you, MJ. And it's much the same here in Dingle. It's wet and windy and we're tucked
1: up at we're home now at this stage. Exactly, like like the middle of winter. Uh, Fallon, you're probably going to take it, you're taking it maybe a little bit easier now these couple of weeks than, than you were a couple of weeks back. You're a very, very busy uh, period running up to the Blas Awards and we're going to speak about them in a moment. Uh, but first, Blas heron the awards itself. Look, I had your dad on the last couple of years talking about it, but just for people who may not be familiar, what exactly are the Blas Awards? Fallon, tell us please.
5: So, the Blas Neheran Awards, it's an all-island competition. It's the Irish Food Awards and it's 16 years running. And it's a competition in which all producers of food and drinks across the island can enter and their products are all blind-tasted. So, it means it's very fair for smaller and larger producers. Everybody is really being tested on a level playing field. And what we're doing then is looking for the best of the best in each of those categories from right across the country. And from there, then, we look to award those producers and those products with the finalists and the gold, silver and bronze. But also, I think what it's grown to be over the 16 years, even more importantly, it's a network for the producers who are involved. It's a celebration of Irish food. And it does all build up to that event at the end of September, as you mentioned there.
1: Yeah, and the, the branding of the Blaston Heron Awards now, Fallon, it is getting to be iconic itself. You'll see it on a product and you'll you'll know it, especially the uh, the gold one stands out, the, the silver and the bronze also. Uh, is uh, that what the food businesses are saying back to you now? Once they win an award, they're seeing an uplift in sales thereafter?
5: Absolutely. we're producers are telling us that they are getting an increase in sales, they're getting a bigger profile. And to be honest, to see that logo across the country now and even in places across the world we've heard tell of recently it being spotted in canada it makes us really proud because it's not just us and the small team here in dingle who can get it out there it's the producers who want to put it on pack whether it's the gold silver and bronze or the finalist because to be honest with you in the early stages of the awards people wanted gold that was it but as the awards have gone on, they've realised that to get to the final stage, you're the top five in the country, it's really difficult to do. So now producers just want to be able to, be, to bear that symbol and pack because it does have such an impact on your business.
1: I presume since the start of it, Fanny, you've seen lots of different trends in the last 16 years. What are you seeing now at the moment, the last two, three years, these food businesses? What are consumers looking for? What are food businesses making? What's selling?
5: I think what we've seen very strongly as a trend, if we look at the last three years, um, the change that we all had three years ago in terms of everything coming a little bit closer to home with us all staying at home was producers looking at, or pardon me, consumers looking at where their food was coming from and actually thinking about who was making it and the connections with the producers. So that we've seen stay very strong. But then also They're not just thinking about who's making it, but the impact that it's having. So you see the likes of DSL, who were a winner of a bursary with the awards this year, who do such amazing food using what could potentially be waste products. And we see consumers really wanting to a business
1: like that, not least because they're also delicious. Yeah, and BSL was a company that we featured on the programme here not too long ago, Awfully based. Uh, Fallon, can you just tell us again what what, what they do just for our listeners?
5: So Neve and Rory, they make a couple of different mixes. This year they were a finalist with their cookie mix in the awards. But what they do is they use spent grains from breweries to start making flour and dry mixes so you'll see them in shops across the country and you can buy this beautiful pancake mix as well as the milled flour and it's really it's not just a really good flavor but it's also coming from what could have ended up being a waste product and actually comes from lots of different breweries including Alicia and um, one of the leash breweries there Ballycull Cavan, is one of the breweries that they would use to spent grains
1: from yeah absolutely it's a fantastic uh, business model I have to say and I remember uh, speaking to the guys here back maybe 6-8 months ago and thinking to myself it really is ticking so many boxes if I'm looking down through the uh, winners and the finalists uh, from uh, yeah, Leash Offaly and Westmead lots and lots of, uh, of businesses down through them well known names such as uh, Glenisk, and as you said Biasal Ballykilcavan, and Leash And the Village Dairy well known in Leash as well down in Westmead Bonn Chocolatier uh, we have greens free range eggs as well. I'm going to be speaking to Kenneth in a few minutes here on the programme. It's a wide range but it looks like the Midlands is doing well in it all Fallon.
5: It was a really strong year this year and not just for big companies from the Midlands but we saw some new producers who come through because there was a beautiful hazelnut oil that came from Ion Oils. It's a couple called Andrea and Marcus who are based in Leash now and it was the first time we had seen an oil like that used in the award entered into the awards, but then we even used it in some of our press events because it was a really gorgeous flavor and a really beautiful Irish flavor as well to be working with the hazelnuts. And they actually came to the awards and they got a chance to take part in some of the markets that happened there with Leash Taste. And it was a great chance for people to be able to to taste something from smaller producers like that as well, because the the Midlands have always been strong with established companies great to see the smaller producers now coming along and growing there as well
1: and uh, it's obvious speaking to you Fallon, you're hugely passionate about, about food and production and where it's coming from and uh, supporting these primary producers where did all this come from Fallon? Where did you, your love of food, where did it originate?
5: I suppose I, I grew up in a house that loves food and both my mum and dad love food and are good cooks but they also respect where food comes from as well so they taught us a lot of it to respect where it was coming from and the process dad was a producer he used to make seafood chowder prior to that he was a fisherman and his mother so my grandmother was actually one of the ESB demonstrators who would have she was a domestic science teacher but she would have gone out and into farming houses in particular during the rural electri- electrification scheme to to work with people in their kitchens so she was always really passionate about it And kind of pass that down to make sure that there was no waste in the kitchen, that you knew where things were coming from. And more importantly, that you had the skills to be able to cook regardless of what was in the fridge or in the budget that week
1: yeah very good uh, the, the breeding is in you Fallon, as we say when we're talking about cattle here and stock and livestock and genetics obviously there's, there's food running through your veins and uh, it's obvious when I'm speaking to you about that uh, I have to say I really enjoyed uh, speaking to you this evening you're going to be doing Blaston Heron for years and years to come where do you think and it's a hard question to answer but in two, three, four, five years time what do we think or where do you think it's, go- it's going to be going are we uh, the sustainable model and the green model is here to stay is uh, food local food businesses is, is, is that going to be their angle are there still going to be traditional type foods as well going forward
5: i certainly hope so and i think what we're seeing with the trend in terms of traditional in particular because one of the ones that we've seen growing in the awards and we really only see that when people are also buying it and putting it on the table is box tea. we've seen products like that which are coming through and i suppose because people are becoming more educated about where their food is coming from We do see people returning to more traditional foods and trying to connect with them there you would hope that people will really kind of try and drive that through not just at home but in the schools as well and i from us at loss what we try and do is make sure that those producers who are trying to develop something or stay at you know a nice medium scale or small to medium scale we want to try and support them and for the years to come that's what we
1: want to To continue to do. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, Fallon, really enjoyed the chat and I'm going to be talking to Kenneth Green, one of your winners after the break. So, look, many thanks for joining me here this evening and we wish you well.
5: Thanks so much, MJ.
1: Uh, Fallon Clifford there from Blossner and I'm going to shoot to a break really quickly because uh, we are running a little short on time. I want to give Kenneth as much time as I can from Greens Free Range Jake, Stay tuned, we'll have Kenneth now in just a moment.
0: Country Life on Midlands 103, brought to you by W. Orshow Burlington Business Park Tillamoor, supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands, worshow.ie.
1: And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, we were talking about Blast Heron Awards just before the break, and a Westmead man has one of those in the bag since the awards ceremony a few weeks back. That's Kenneth Green from Green's Free Range Eggs. Kenneth, many thanks for taking my call this evening.
3: T- thanks, Andrew. No
1: problem. Uh, your company, your business, is Greens free-range eggs, and that's what you won the award for. You won the award for uh, the egg, the humble egg, and it sh- goes that's to right. show you, yeah, it goes to show you just how uh, how important the egg is to our diet. I read out a figure at the start of the program, mm. and that was that we had sold uh, in excess of uh, uh, six hundred million eggs in Ireland up to last year. Uh, you played a part in that, Kenneth. You have five thousand hens. Uh, it's a, it's a significant <laughs> Enterprise.
3: Uh, yeah, well, it is indeed. You know what I mean. So, like, I suppose um the real thing, the essence behind our business is obviously free-range eggs. We're, we're, we're. You know, uh, uh, I suppose a specialist producer of the free-range eggs. And when we set up free-range egg, our free-range egg business, we wanted to be able to bring it. Uh, I suppose from farm to table or farm to fork or, you know, market ourselves, produce it ourselves and do it in a, in a real traditional way and that's what we do, you know, and uh, our hens are in the fl- small flocks, they're, they're obviously out free-ranging every day, we have a, we have a, 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 a you know, really nice, um, you know, whether it's pastures, we have nice wooded areas, We've we've got the real natural habitat for hens and I think that rubs off on her eggs, like you know, and uh, you know, so uh, I suppose that's that's what that's what we're doing here, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, you got a gold medal, uh, Kenneth, mm. so the mm. so the eggs they have to be the real deal yeah. in order in order to get yeah. them. You don't, you don't get a gold at the blossoming heron unless uh, no. the product is good. How do uh, yeah. just coming from a husbandry point of view, uh, Kenneth, and thinking from mm. a farmer perspective, uh, any problem with mm. foxes?
3: Well look at there's lots of things there's there's buzzards as well there's all sorts of you know there's the pine martin mm. there's all that sort of stuff but look at you have to try and work with nature uh, you know, we've got the specialist fencing up for poultry. We've got the sheep wired in, uh, uh, bedded into the into the earth, and they're all connected up. So you're on you're on the watch out the whole time. So well, hens are devils. Like if they get out and get over that wire or get out or whatever, you know, they can you can they can be sort of they can be snapped up fairly quick, like you know. But um, uh, yeah. they're they're the elements you have to deal with, and for, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's part of it's part of farming, but uh, yeah. it's it's one as you say, it's twenty four twenty four seven. Um, Five thousand uh, hens. It's a lot of hens, uh, Kenneth. Obviously, yeah. all areas of agriculture were in input or were in mm. uh, affected. I should say by the increase in inputs over the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, these hens mm. have been eating lots of feed, so no doubt. Mm. Look, your margins have taken a hit.
3: Yeah, well, look at I suppose the feed cost has uh, ha- has increased um, since we started. We started in twenty eighteen, and I suppose that you know, uh, apart from feed going up, packaging have up, energy costs, all the different things have gone up. But look at, you have to live with them, you know, um, and you have to try and. Protect your margin. You gotta, you gotta, obviously keep your product uh, good and, and 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 honest and all the rest of it. But I suppose, yeah, in business you gotta get a margin. And the thing about our business is that we are marketing it ourselves. We're looking up to have really good contacts, uh, and uh, you know, over the years we've built up very good uh, customer base, and we've continued with them customers, and they now buy our buy our eggs. We're, all, we're 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 uh, on the food academy with super Valley in particular. So you know, all the local super values, whether it's at Lowen, Mullingar, Longford or or further afield up in, in, in Meads and we've some specialty ones in, in Dublin, taking our eggs as well indeed. So uh, you know, you got to get out there, and you got to promote your products, and uh, I think you have to have a point of difference, and I think, you know, everyone says, some people say an egg is an egg. Well, it certainly isn't, you know. Uh, so we put a lot of work and effort into pr- pr- producing a good quality egg, and it does pay off you know what i mean obviously sales are increasing because uh, i think uh, you know it's uh, eggs and free range eggs are very nutritious they're very healthy you have the world health organization coming out and uh you know you know um, really promoting eggs as as uh, from from for for their, their healthiness they're they're their polyunsaturated factor heart healthy so eggs are good for you, whereas a, a number of years ago they weren't promoting eggs and, and they were doing the opposite of that. An actual fact, you know. So, like, it is but a great. We were product. saying years
1: ago, Kennedy, you only have about two a week. Uh, I think that's changed completely now at this stage.
3: Yeah, it has. Yeah, well, the word uh, that's right, and the World health organization is is promoting eggs, and you know, eggs are uh, eggs are scarce. Eggs are because people are buying in into for the protein value, but also the the fat content, and as I say, the the polyunsaturated fats our heart healthy, um, and there's a lot of, you know, for in, your immune system, your for, for your, I suppose, um, your 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 brain cells, everything, eggs are, are really a superfood, mm-hmm. and uh, they're so convenient, you know, you can uh, cook up an omelet, or you can have a, a breakfast, dinner, lunch, whatever, and I suppose the other thing about eggs is that if you have a couple of eggs, and a little bit of a salad or something else or uh, you know whatever um, you actually, it, it fills you up, it's, it keeps you going and they're very convenient foods, you know, uh, so they're, yeah, they're all positive.
1: Kenneth, Ken, you took the words out of my mouth there when you said yeah. a couple of eggs fill you up because that is the difference, yeah. if you have two eggs for breakfast you will be full until yeah. lunchtime whereas if you have um, cereal or what not, mm. forget about it, you may as well, you may as well have nothing yeah. you'll, be, you'll be hungrier than, than you yeah. were to start. Before you go Kenneth, yeah. I, I have about two minutes mm. left because you do have a, right. a business where you add value to your eggs, where you cook uh, omelettes, quiches and frittatas. And this was the question I had to put to you at the start of the programme. I said it to our listeners here. I don't know, Kenneth, what it is. Tell me what exactly is a frittata?
3: Well, frittata is basically uh, well. The, the word frittata comes from the Italian dish, and it's uh, a, a basically it's uh, a vegetables. You can have a array of vegetables, and uh, you can also have meat as well. And we concentrate on the on the, the vegetable option. So you've got. An egg base. It's basically cooked on a baking pan, and you've got uh, your your filling is egg. But you're then you're, you've got your mushrooms, you've got your spinach, you've got your broccoli. You can pretty much have a array of vegetables. So it's a mix and match. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it is a little bit like your Spanish omelette. But uh, the word potato comes from an Italian dish, anyway, and uh, we wanted to develop a healthy, um, I suppose, ready, ready-to-eat product, and that's why we decided to develop these patatas and also the quiches as well. like you know, and, uh, that's and in, how, how is that now. how's that side of the business going for you, Kenneth? Yeah, it's look, it's it's going okay. It's a little bit more. It's it's more challenging. It's a small unit. Um, uh, we've a food kitchen set up on our farm and we produce the products there and uh, you know we we sell them again onto the our customer base so you, you know we're we're on the food academy with of course which are absolutely brilliant for us and you know other other local retailers around Mullingar at Lone and and, and so forth so like uh, you know, it's it, they're, they're going okay, but they mightn't be everyone's, uh, I suppose, cup of tea, but, you know, we're we're putting them out there uh, and developing it and, and promoting them, and, and uh, let's see how it goes, exactly. you know. Exactly, uh, you're, 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 you giving, know. Yeah, you're yeah.
1: giving it your best. Kenneth, we're just out of time. I'm going to yeah. say many thanks for joining me here yeah. on the programme. We wish you continued thank success, you. Greens Free Range Eggs. Many thanks. T- thank you very much, Emger.
3: Cheers. Lovely. Bye-bye.
1: Uh, Kenneth Green there as I said from Green's Free Range Eggs and a gold uh, winner at the Blaston heron Awards about two weeks ago and that is not an easy thing to do and uh, as Kenneth said those eggs available uh, pretty much throughout Westmead. Uh, that is it for this evening's programme I'd like to thank Kenneth from Green's Free Range Eggs also Fallon Clifford from Blaston heron the Food Awards that has been on the go 16 years Margaret Farrell from Chagas, who is looking after County Leash. If you're interested in reducing your greenhouse gas emissions, she'll give you pointers on how to farm in a greener way. Uh, Owen Callaghan looks after Offaly and Catherine Kilmartin looks after Westmead. And at the top of the hour, I was speaking to Theresa Roach, uh, who was telling you to be careful when you're using lime on the farm. Uh, That is it for this evening's programme. I'll be back with you in seven days' time. Next Wednesday evening, as always, shows repeated Sunday morning 7am until 8am and wherever you get your podcasts, we are on MJ Space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y will pop up. You can listen at your leisure. Uh, Joe Cooney's up next with Country Roads. Good night and God bless.
0: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W Orshaw Burlington Business Park, Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. W Shaw.ie.